Hi, friends. It's Sarah May. And this show is brought to you by Ned, our newest sponsor. They're well known as being one of the best CBD brands out there. I use and enjoy their products. I find them to be more effective than most CBD products. And that's partly because of the way they are processed and collected. They respect the plant and they also respect the planet. So I think what they provide is a better first line of defense for your body before you turn to pharmaceuticals or over-the-counter medications. I would say try something all natural like a CBD product. And I think this company is great because they hold the properties of the plant to be the most important and they respect that in their processing. If you're interested, I invite you to check out helloned.com slash helpmebeme or enter helpmebeme at checkout for 15% off your first order and free shipping. Thanks. Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this is an episode all about caregiver burnout and vicarious trauma. So this is when witnessing suffering in others or kind of being in a chronic state of hopelessness starts to really get to you and affect your quality of life. So this is for anyone who is perhaps taking care of others and maybe you're emotionally and mentally exhausted. It could also be that your job requires you to do just this kind of work by nature and maybe you're trying to make the world a better place and that process just takes a lot out of you. So it might cause you vicarious trauma and possibly damage that affects your ability to continue to contribute to the good of others. And you might not realize that that's happening to you. Um, So maybe you have a very high stress life and that causes you to put yourself last on a continuous basis. And maybe you find that you exist in survival mode all the time. So you might be irritable, exhausted, depressed, hopeless, overwhelmed, and thinking dark dark thoughts that you know are not right or appropriate for a healthy, happy person to be thinking. So if that sounds like you, this is um, a starting point for you. And as with all of my episodes, take what helps and leave the rest. Um, And before I go into the meat of this one, I just wanted to recommend to everyone who is suffering in this particular way to check out the book Trauma Stewardship. It's incredible, and I would say it's my main reference for this post. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes if you're interested. All right, there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. Those who bear witness to those suffering and caregivers, including parents, those caring for aging parents, those with family members who have disabilities um, or ailments of a particular nature, maybe you work full time and you care for others. So you're constantly trying to keep up with the demands of your life and you find you're constantly falling short to meet those demands. Or maybe the source of your burnout and suffering is due to like the nature of your job. For example, therapist, uh, those in areas where you have to witness really difficult situations or are in a a constant state of powerlessness and helplessness. So maybe you're an ecologist, a rescue worker, a veterinarian, a biologist, a doctor. Maybe you work for child and family services, etc. So when you are required to survive and sustain others as a part of your livelihood or your everyday role, 
you likely separate from your own needs and or ignore what this lifestyle is potentially doing to your psyche as just a way to continue to function. It's like it becomes an identity. So it's like an identity that fuels itself and perpetuates itself. So the external reality you have becomes also your internal reality. So the inside and the outside is chaos and survival mode. So if you're a person like this, you likely have assumed for a long time that you can handle it because you watch yourself doing so. However, the effects of this often go unnoticed. Like you might not see that you are operating from kind of an autopilot setting more and more and that your fuse is getting shorter and shorter and your creativity is drying up. Like your soul is unbeknownst to you hardening <laughs> and your personality is reducing to just like a perpetual motion machine. So it's almost like survival becomes our personality. And when you start to operate from this perspective at all times, it literally changes the shape of your brain in that it just, it alters what you're able to see and, and what you focus on in your environment. Like for example, if you're somebody who has to rush all the time, you're kind of on a setting of like hypervigilance. And that means that everything in your life is reduced to like essentials, you know, what is passable, what is immediate, what is achievable, which is logical when you have to do that for work, but it's not logical when, you know, you're trying to relax and enjoy a sunset with a new partner, you know? So it's kind of like a setting you get stuck on and it's really easy to just stay there chronically. And, and by stay there, I mean, it's like you're swinging from a high setting to a really low setting. So I've referred to it in past episodes as like the fuck it zone or like the dead zone. So you're swinging between two extremes of like super high stress adrenaline or just depressed, hopeless, feeling dead inside. And that's because stress and post-traumatic stress and vicarious trauma, they alter your nervous system. So it's really easy to get kind of stuck between those two extremes and never really be in your body and calm with all of your wits about you. And when you're here, you when you're in those two settings, you can't really do meaningful, reflective work on yourself. Like you need your brain back online and you need your body to be um, regulated in order to have the proper mental resources. So that high and low setting is a common condition to reach for those who are existing in survival mode all the time, um, partly because they have to be because of their career. So like if you are, let's say your, um, your job is to fight for people's life, lives who are dying, you know, your reality is you can never do enough because you're constantly chasing barely trying to make something happen. So the, your mental setting pervasively becomes not enough. Have to try my hardest to barely try and possibly be enough. So that thought process becomes like habituated and normal. And then you start to see it everywhere in your life. And that when you have like a, you know, a job or a role where you have to keep trying your hardest otherwise people will die, you might feel like 
that is true for the rest of your life. Like you start to spot it in other areas of your life. And, and that's, it's partly because you've been practicing it so often. It becomes like a, a belief system that like sinks into your being. So what I'm describing is, are the effects of trauma, like vicarious trauma, but the kind of traumas that you might not recognize as trauma because they feel like normal and necessary. And we believe that we have become immune to them because we've been doing them for so long. Which brings me to part two, the why. So there are a lot of factors that play into this circumstance being perpetuated in your life. I'm going to go through several of them. But in general, there is a pervasive belief that we need to be this way in our lives in order to be capable and that we have no other option. We become very black and white when we're in this setting. So heads up for anyone who is in a caregiving role. Your nervous system is altered when you have to care for others like with your heart wide open. Like when you feel intense feelings um, of others and for others, like you witness other people's pain, it's it makes you very, very vulnerable to post-traumatic stress disorder. It's often referred to as secondary trauma or vicarious trauma because it leads to many symptoms like headaches, depression, mood swings, hyperreactivity, irritability. And when this occurs for people, it most often is unnoticed by them. And often the people who experience it explain it away. And because they're often caregivers, they have like an identity that's wrapped around the idea of being um, an empath, you know, or being a saver, a carer, a hero. And we identify as like, we're the tough ones. We've always been the tough ones. We can handle it. So we'll often rationalize that it's necessary and it's in part because when we get emotionally taxed, we rely more heavily on our left brain. Like that's something that we by nature do as a way to take refuge from emotional overload is we become more rational. It's like a way to disconnect from felt emotions. Uh, it's a relief. Also in modern day life, we are rewarded for denying our feelings of weakness and pain. Like a lot of the time we have an unseen belief that in order to properly serve others or serve our cause, we have to do so at the cost of ourselves. And a lot of these types of core beliefs about putting ourselves last originate in childhood. So as a way to start the self-examination process, I just want you to ask yourself, like, what are the beliefs I inherited from my family of origin and my culture? Like, did you get messages that it, it's vital to care for yourself above all else? Or did you get messages like that in order to survive, you needed to be aggressive and better than? Like, did your family demonstrate to you that authority figures can't be trusted and you have to rely on yourself or... Maybe you received messages that you have to earn love. You have to try really hard to be loved. So we all have some version of some belief system like this that we've inherited. Um, and culturally, we all receive messages about our enoughness. Um, a large per portion of the population also has to contend with internalized systematic uh, oppression. And that's like the kind of belief system that is much more insidious because it's it's reinforced and it's it's reinforced by our surroundings and it's often completely invisible to us. So if you have internalized something like 
you know, I have to put myself second. I have to run myself into the ground visibly in order to be safe. Um, oftentimes we're rewarded for this thinking by a, like a workplace, for example. So we cannot see the, the fact that it's a negative belief system because it's proven to us to be true. Like we don't even notice the fallacy. So there's all sorts of different kinds of oppression like this that become internalized. A lot of it is inherent in government, pol government policy or it's built into workplace culture. Um, so that's just another st thought starter for you to like consider about yourself. Additionally, when we are rushing and surviving all the time, we lose our ability to think creatively. Like the more hopeless and trapped we become, the less inspired our thinking becomes. And that's because your brain just gets simple. It gets dumb. And when that, when we're in that state of like, you know, binary, just black and white thinking, we are, because we're simplified, we're taxed, we're stressed, we resist change and we end up doing the bare minimum because all that, that's all we can afford to do. And in this place, we rely heavily on rules as a way of just relieving our own guilt because we're, we're constantly trying to make ends meet. So we rely on like, um, there's no nuance, you know, everything gets so simplified and we want it to be simplified. And that is when you might notice people on like an energy saving setting. Like when you, when you run into people, let's say on the street and they don't make eye contact or communication is the bare minimum, the coldest possible interaction, they're on an energy saving mode. For example, Doctors often have to be this way in order to survive. It's like a self-protective mechanism. Um, because to be vulnerable and to be open requires energy and processing. It means having the ability to be hurt, to, to give access to yourself. And oftentimes we, when we get into this setting, we, ha we reduce that because we feel like we can't or we'll fall apart. So if someone feels like, you know, seems like a robot... It's like they're trapped in that binary mode of, I've got to get shit done. I've got to get shit done. I can't afford to stop. And it's, it's not a place where you are there. You're, you're present. It's where you are just like your code that's running. Um, and also just the behavior of putting the self last is culturally rewarded. Like we see ambition and self-sacrifice as a version of dedication in many careers and also within many family dynamics. So when that behavior is rewarded, the negative stereotype we have internalized becomes more true for us. So depending on what your socioeconomic, gender, racial background, etc., your family's cultural history, there's a you've probably inherited or internalized different negative definitions for what it means to be good enough. For example, like for some people, it's a belief that education equals good enough. For others, it might be a specific career that equals good enough. So these are all internalized and there are themes that are just, they become embedded in our psyche and it, it, they almost become equivalent with safety, a belief of, that we're safe. So the point is when we internalize all these belief systems, we also end up with a feeling that we are not enough as we are ever. So we'll have, we, that we feel like we have to earn our worth. So my point is chasing becomes a way of life, constant pursuit. 
So with all of these points that I've covered, when you're a person like this, often you stop sensing into yourself and how something like this is affecting you as a just a survival mechanism. Like you stop tuning in and considering all of these things because you feel like you don't have a choice. And that is what can cause exposure, the most exposure to harm. It's just the, the simple fact of disconnecting from your present moment experience. In that act, you disconnect from what you actually need to do for yourself. Like you start abusing the engine that is your soul carrier. <laughs> so by describing this to you, I'm not, in, I'm not asking you to start blaming yourself or blaming your job or blaming your boss. It's really just to call it to your attention to like, now is the time you have to start to open and allow yourself to entertain the change is needed and change is possible. So this is, this episode is really about opening to the existence of a necessary next step. Um, cause like the very first step is just, you know, fuck, I have a problem. I need to change this. And from there we can start the healing process, but it's, it's really, um, important to do that because the more, the most damaging thing you can do is attempt to not feel. It's like, that is how you destroy yourself. That's how you run yourself into the ground or you have a heart attack or you have a breakdown, etc. Which brings me to part three, the how, the tools. So what you do now, today in your life is what matters. It does, don't continue to point to the future as like, that's when everything's going to change. That's when I'm going to slow down, etc. Like only, the only thing that ever matters is what you, how you approach today right now. So when approaching this kind of change in your life, the goal is to create alignment. So you're aligning the the f interior experience that isn't going that is occurring in your entire body and the mental thought process um that is happening in your brain cuz right now you have a dumping ground that's somewhere in your body in your person and you've disconnected from it so the goal is to be a one continuous person who feels and knows all of what's going on inside of yourself and is aware of it and can address the needs as they come up. And I've said this a million times, but you can change everything in your life just by changing yourself, meaning how you approach it. The lens by which you approach the exact same ingredients in your life alters the way you refer to those ingredients and organize them and address them. So it's, it's more about doing exactly the same thing you're doing now, but doing it responsibly and balancing in uh, uh, the future and yourself and your survival and your health as a part of the priorities. So as a starting point to the how, I just wanted to call out that you can take um, a quick snapshot just as a very first step of, your, of how you're meeting your basic needs and just make sure that is in check. And by basic needs, I mean you know, some kind of exercise every single day. Maybe that's a brisk walk around the block, something that gets your heart pumping and your body, let's just say a light sweat, something, just a bead of sweat each day. 
um, and a diet that is low in processed flours and sugars and, um, and enough sleep. So if those things are not being met, then I would say like put a neon post-it note on your mirror and circle them as like must address factors. Cause those are, I feel like more, almost more important than everything else I'm going to say. It's like, if you're not taking care of just the basic staples, like that's going to just destroy you much faster. As for the relationship you have with this whole process, um, I, and by process I mean like the opening invitation I'm giving you, just this is going to be a little more subtle and more gradual. The goal is just to be able to step back from this black and white thinking and, and to start the process of looking inward. Because that's a casualty of being in survival mode. We only see like, I have to, or I can't. So I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to embrace that there is a gray area. And often the solutions will be paradoxical. So I would say that's like the nature of a life like yours. You have to make certain things a priority. And accept that there are complexities. And you can't make them all your fault or them all tied to your goodness as a human. So the goal of all of these tools is to really be mindful and stay present with your own pain and discomfort. Even when you're like, you de you desperately just want to shut off and not think about it or go through the motions or explain it away. It's, it's really important for you to connect to what's happening in you um, and not ignore it or dismiss it or hide from it. And that's a very big ask. I know that. Um, so I'm going to ask you to resist the urge to think of these things and things moving forward in terms of right and wrong or good and bad and, and just more objectively witness them and, and do not judge them. I'm not sure if that makes sense. All right, here we go. Here are some tools for you. So the first tool is called set the goal. I know it's so creative. What a crazy title. Uh, I mean, another title of this would be Admit the Truth. So th at the very start of any road is A, recognizing the problem, and B, setting a goal and meaning it. So just simply saying, I want to start the process of change. And I would say this is in many ways one of the hardest things to do and, and mean it when you say, like, I want to make change. Because it's really scary because it means you're actually putting yourself at risk. Like, you're making yourself vulnerable and getting some form of reality involved. Like, denial and avoidance can... Avoidance? Is avoidance a word? Av avoidance <laughs> can be so much safer for our experienced emotional pain. So I'm inviting you as a very simple first step to say aloud, I want to change my life. Just say that. Say it and just feel into it. And and try if you can to just think to yourself, I mean that. I really mean it. And I want, as much as you possibly can, just savor the thought. Um, and if you can do that, just say to yourself and mean it, like, I want to change my life. That is a sign that you are already walking. Like, change can be incremental. And I personally believe that the beginning of all real monumental change comes with um, just a process of curiosity, of like self-education. Um, 
but we need to understand first, like, you know, I, what is happening? Uh, that's all it's, it unravels from there. So I, I would say just like that, this is our starting point. We all start from this shared, uh, baseline of truth. I, I want to change my life. This is an issue. That's where we start. So I invite you to take that step. The next tool I'm going to call health meter read. So I want you to picture like a video game screen and you have like one of those little graphics that's got a little health meter in the upper right and uh, it shows your lives, your remaining lives. So I just want you to like picture your own and kind of check in on like how many more lives do I have? What's my health meter read? Um, so in other words, just take a personal mental health and happiness inventory and ask yourself like, how is this working? This lifestyle I have, this, these conditions in my life, how is this working for my, my deepest self? Like how happy do I feel? Um, and ask yourself also like, how sustainable is this? Often caregivers feel guilty and, it's like we never want to give attention to our pain or even entertain it because we feel like it's absurd to do that in the face of those who are, you know, truly suffering. Um, like we don't feel worthy of it in the face of what others are dealing with. However, it's very important that you allow yourself to think honestly about how you feel about your life as yours. Just on your own, on your own terms. So this is like a, I would invite you to do it in a journal. You can also just do it in your own mind, but like just personal inventory. How is this working for me in my life right now? All right. Next tool is called, how have I changed? So this is really about starting the process of, um, willing yourself to be curious about where you are right now. Because you might be completely unaware or blind to the state of things. Um, a large part of the reason people don't help themselves is because we feel like if we look, we're going to fall apart. Or it's going to become so overwhelming that we can't deal. And that belief that we'll be better off if we don't look is a fallacy. In all likelihood, it means you will have a bigger fall much further down the line, but the damage will be deeper. Um, and by that, I mean physical ailments, emotional, mental crashes. So there is a better way to balance what you are living right now. And if there's not, then that's great news, you know, but you owe it to yourself to have this awareness at the very least, like your body and soul need to be factored into the equation that is your life. So just by inquiring as to how, how event, how your job, how your whatever role has altered you and just recognize it. You know, what do I miss about myself? What's different about me now? It allows you to reacquaint yourself with your own personal values and what you want, you know, like often we don't allow ourselves to ask that question of like, do I really want this life for myself? Is there something else, some ingredient I'm missing that I want to foster more of in my life? Um, so this process of curiosity and acceptance also allows you to feel compassionate and even mourn, um, you know, for what's been lost or, or feel anger for what you've, you've lost or what you've been through. 
but the goal is to observe the change so you can come back to yourself so you can be intimate with yourself and who you are once again as opposed to being blocked from that self all right next tool check the leaks so you're in a boat and there's little leaks sprung everywhere and i just want you to check for where they are happening in your life in particular meaning where is the unhealthy stress coming from and there are probably lots of sources but often when you have a role like this in your life it's coming from all directions because we are we are somewhat reinforcing it with our own behavior unbeknownst to us so stress becomes like habituated into our bodies and then we see it reflected everywhere so this exercise is best done in the journal it's just a scan of all the sources just like make notes is it self-inflicted is it a work culture thing is it happening in your friendships is it um you know i mean it could be that your job is the main source but it could also be the that it's the culture of your workplace that's the culprit and not the job itself for example if the corporate culture of your workplace like rewards um urgency and not self-care like if they demand that you put yourself last that is something that's leaking into your personal life and your relationship with yourself and how you care for yourself but it's not necessary to do your particular job there is such a thing as a healthy relationship to your job so that might be an invitation for you to find that you know find that version of it a hu- another huge leak for many people is an innate sense of just hypervigilance. Um, And that's something that can come also from just smartphones. Like, if we're constantly on call, that setting might be flooding in from just having a smartphone. Like, just to ask yourself, is like, when you go on vacation, do you have to, do you feel like you have to relax, like, intensely? Is like, something that's always in your body? I digress. All right, the next tool is called play or maybe not so this is a um i guess it's like a game you can play with yourself or a a mantra of sorts um it's for when we get into that stuck state you know maybe it's hopelessness or we feel dead inside or or we get into that panic state of overwhelm we feel like everything is impossible the pain is too much it's really easy to just swallow it whole and like become that devastation and just wallow in it and and sit in a fire and that is how pain really damages us so it's important to retain um a connection to our own ability to help ourselves and like witness positive change and when we're in survival mode and we're totally burned out we can we can get stuck in that reactive position where we're just constantly on the receiving end of a shit storm of shit so we we kind of learn to be in that state of powerlessness and overwhelm because we are constantly just reacting. Like we're, t- we're always too late with too little power. So you might have thoughts like, this is so fucked, what's the point? Things can only get worse. worse. So as a starting point to alter this position in your personal life, I invite you to just play this little game in, and in this process develop a new relationship to that position of powerlessness and overwhelm it's a really subtle shift but in that moment i want you to just ask yourself at the very minimum maybe or maybe not or maybe the opposite is true 
And if you can encourage yourself to go even more positive, maybe you say to yourself, maybe something better than that is true. Maybe something better than what I know is true. Um, maybe I'm completely wrong and I just need to uh, move through this with self-compassion or maybe I'm much much stronger and more empowered than I think I am maybe more change is occurring than I can see right now so the the goal is to take whatever the negative belief is and say maybe the opposite maybe the opposite that is also positive instead just say it aloud or say it in your mind to yourself and just make that a constant practice it's something I do for myself and it opens up just the tiniest bit of a window of possibility it allows us to entertain that maybe the doom and gloom is not true. Um, it's just practicing an alternate reality, a different answer. And it just makes space. It's it's powerful when it's it becomes habitual. Okay, next tool, ritual visits to the inside. So if you are someone who is suffering from vicarious trauma or caregiver burnout, it's likely that you just stopped checking in with what's going on inside. And it, it's probably very hard to do that now because there's just inner chaos and hypervigilance. So as a first step toward beginning to get to know what's going on inside, I want you to start to have daily inner visits with yourself. And I want them to take on some sort of ritual, um, ritualized format. So something that has like a, a, an external format form. And the reason being, when we take steps to ritualize things, they become more reinforced in our minds and also more effective. And it's it's like Pavlov's dog. So the cues to our brain to go into a certain setting make our brain go there faster. And yes, let's, you know, if this is new, it won't be super effective at first, but it's about going through the motions of a new habit and eventually they start to take effect. So for example, let's say yours is you get a nice fancy cushion and you put it in a very specific place in front of a specific window in your house and you stare at a postcard image that that's an image you love and you do one minute of slow, even deep breaths. And the goal is to take these physical steps toward tuning in with yourself daily and, and making a deliberate gesture in that direction. And... By tuning into yourself, I mean like reaching that moment when you have like complete blackness when that buzzing stops. It's brief. It's like a split second when you're like, and now I'm here. And now I'm here. It it, it would be like a millisecond. Um, And this is really just about like attempting to get to that point. That millisecond of quiet. Um, And I highly recommend doing this like twice a day. I do my little meditation practice morning when I wake up and at night before I go to bed. Um, and it's, it's like mental conditioning and it becomes a very powerful practice with repetition. So for whatever it's worth, if you are interested, my, my personal practice in the morning, I call to my mind what I want to bring out more of in my day, like, um, kind of setting an intention for the day. And then the evening, it's a gratitude reflection and reinforcing mentally, what is, you know, positive in my life and positive in the universe and kind of calling into my mind all that I want to embody more so, if that makes sense. 
So just think of it like a concentrated effort to tune into yourself and it can be brief, but I, I want you to make this a priority. All right, the next tool, greater good. So this is kind of a mantra for the moments when you're telling yourself, I can't, or you're trying to talk yourself out of making change in honor of yourself. So think about this change as you're choosing a greater good based on the sum outcome. And I mean like you're squinting at your life from the end of it backwards. The more of this type of change you can make, the more years of mental health you will have, and you can do exponentially more good. And the quality of your good will be greater. So you can think of this as like, you know, a chain reaction. If you support you now, you are supporting the others who will support others and others and others. It trickles down to everyone you interact with. Every single person you touch will have a better experience with you if you make this change. Okay, and the next tool is called Laser Pointer. So this is a visualization for for many of us who are mentally hypervigilant when we are, you know, somewhere benign. Like, let's say you're at home decompressing or you're trying to fall asleep. So I want you to reframe that obsessive planning and replanning and writing lists in your mind and you're um, anticipating and blah, blah, blah as like you're, you have a laser pointer and you're pointing it on stuff. And I want you to ask yourself as just a mental reminder, where is your laser pointer? Is it here in the room with you or is it somewhere else? Is it at work tomorrow? Where is your hypervigilance going? And if it's not here in the room with you, you need it to be. So just remind yourself, I need me in one place at a time. And right now I need to be here. This is where I belong. Just keep your, yourself in one place. It's a simple goal. Um, but it's very important that you make that important. Like, I need to be in one place. That is where I'm the most needed by me. And, and sometimes that's just like, I need me to rest right now. I need me to be mentally decompressing right now. It's just a mental reminder. So out of all these tools, at the very least... I just want you to start something. Just start a plan, put something, anything on your calendar. Just decide to take one step in honor of confronting this issue in your life. Because when you can make that concrete, it just takes it off of your shoulders. It doesn't sit on like the back of your left shoulder anymore. It's, it removes some weight from your psyche and it becomes something you can stop worrying about subconsciously. So just actualize it. Put something into the real world that is in action, preferably right now. So please, just do one tiny, tiny thing. Um, so before I close, I wanted to thank my latest sponsors and also all of my latest reviewers. Fucking love you. Thank you so much. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My latest sponsors, Megan, thank you so much. And Maria, thank you so much. Um, anyone out there who has the means to make a donation, it really helps this show happen. If not, I totally get it. I have a lot of students, a lot of people suffering right now, especially with the pandemic. I know finances are an issue. If not, a review on iTunes is immensely helpful and also touches my heart. So appreciate you all. Um, also feel free to reach out via yaywithme.com if you have any requests. So in closing... 
Our suffering and pain can be transformed into growth and healing. We have to choose to process and cultivate the growth and the healing. And it all starts with just that choice. So if you're thinking to yourself, like, I don't, I can't, I can't, I have to, this is required of me, blah, blah, blah. You can do both. You can make a difference and you can help others without running yourself into the ground. But it starts when that becomes important to you. Like, you have to make the balance a priority. And before you can even do that, you have to be willing to look at this condition in your life honestly. And you have to say out loud, I have a problem and I'm suffering and this is fucking me up. There is a possibility of, a ch- of change and a, r- a relationship to what you're doing now that is healthier and more sustainable. But in order to reach it, we have to make this internal shift and a commitment to stand up for ourselves. Like we have to draw a boundary. We have to draw a boundary with ourselves and then also with others around us. And in order to really know where we, we need to draw the boundary, we have to first say, you know, my survival, my happiness, my longevity, my health, my sanity is a resource worth preserving. Like, and you can look at it that way. If you're, if it feels too selfish, just look at yourself as like, I need this resource to give to other people. You can have both. You can be a saver, a giver. You can make change in the world and you can also be safe, but you have to choose to pursue that new relationship with yourself in your life. And it requires that you turn on the lights and look at the mess on your desk, which can be daunting, but it's so worth it. And the best time to start something like that is now. Not in a week, not in a month, now. But don't get overwhelmed by that prospect. Just simply begin by allowing your mind to follow tangents that seem to ring bells of familiarity. Just allow your curiosity to take hold and allow it to wander inward and ask questions and don't be afraid of the questions and just take note of what worries you in your life like listen to that take note of what you lost that you want back about yourself and know that you are not ruined you have not been stolen your soul still exists intact but it just might need a little inflation you know like it might be a a little deflated it could use some confetti and fart jokes and lightness and you know, beach time. (laughs) But to be clear, by taking care of yourself and creating balance, you remain the most intelligent and capable and good at what you do. Um, you, You retain like the best self you can be. You retain more compassion, more inspiration, more wisdom. And you can see failing systems for what they are and not be taken down by them. Like you can, you can spot what's wrong. When you protect yourself like a rock in the path of a breaking wave, the water is forced to move around you. You create change, and that change can start with you taking care of yourself. So I I hope you decide to make you an essential piece of this equation. And I commend you for doing what you do and taking on what you have chosen to take on. But do not be blinded by, you know, popular definitions of that role like don't let the story erase the truth of how you're feeling inside so i very much hope this is helpful and i send you my love and wishes of strength and serenity and don't forget to smile